Welcome to the Agronomy and Farm Management Podcast. I'm Amanda. And I'm Elizabeth. Thanks for joining us today. So the 2020 eFields report came out about a month ago now, so we're going to dive into that a little bit today. If you haven't caught on to one of the eFields publications yet or listened to our past podcast, um, Elizabeth, for those folks, why don't you give us an overview of what the eFields program is? Yeah, Amanda. So the eFields program is an on-farm research network that we've developed here in Ohio. And we started out in 2017 with the goal to engage Ohio farmers in the research process, you know, really to help ensure that the folks like us in Extension are helping farmers answer the questions that matter to them with the research we're conducting. And so since 2017, we've conducted over 400 trials across the state, and they focused on everything from optimizing seeding rates to helping better understand how fertilizer efficiency is working on farms. Um, We've tested equipment technology. And more recently, we've added trials that look at cover crops and soil health. And, you know, this is one of those things where we're open to answering any type of question. So the sky's the limit on what we can think of. You know, really the the only baseline thing we ask is that it's a question that matters to farmers. So if you're a farmer and you've got a question, the eFields program was designed for you. Um, And then, as Amanda mentioned, the report is out. All of the results from these trials are published in the annual report that's released each January, and you can get your hands on that either through the online version at go.osu.edu slash eFields, or if you would like a printed copy that you can hold in your hands, you can send me an email. We'll put my email in the link, and we'll get a copy mailed out to you, or if you're in Ohio, you can get to your local extension office and request a copy from there. Yeah, it's really been amazing to see this program grow since 2017, and it's been really fun to be part of it. And when we do these podcasts, we like to pull in other extension educators who've been doing different research projects around the state. So this year, we have Mary Griffith, the extension educator from Madison County on. So welcome, Mary. Please give us a bit of an introduction for yourself. Hi, everybody. I'm Mary Griffith. I'm the Agriculture and Natural Resources Extension Educator in Madison County. And I've uh, been working with farmers in my county and some of the counties nearby for the past few years on some different eFields trials. And before we had eFields, we also did on-farm research that um, we'd work on and just didn't have the same nice avenue to publish it through. So, I really enjoy doing on-farm research, and this year, what today, what I'm going to talk about is the soybean yield improvement studies that Laura Lindsay has been helping coordinate. Awesome. Well, we appreciate you joining us, and you know, you mentioned the ease of reporting in e-fields and just having that condensed version that you can pick up and go through all these different trials, and I think that's what really makes it unique and different from what we've done in the past. So let's talk a little bit about why we think the farmers that we've worked with participate in eFields. I think that the farmers that participate and cooperate with us on our on-farm research are interested in answering some kind of question about what management or technology they can use to improve their farming practices and A lot of times I think they might be farmers who are interested in research in general, and they probably refer to research. But by participating in an on-farm trial with us, I think that the 
thing that they really enjoy as far as the people that I work with is that they're able to actually test something out on their own farm and their own soil with their equipment and their climate to see what's working practically on their farm. Um, so a lot of times you look at research and you can see generally what better practices and um, technology are that can help improve on-farm efficiency or whatever. But um, by participating as a collab or as a cooperator um, with us, I think that gives them an opportunity to really look specifically at what will work with their operation. Yeah, I think the the local results are really what what farmers latch on to and appreciate the most. You know, we provide lots of science-based information through Extension, um, but oftentimes, you know, it's conducted on a research farm that may be pretty far away from the home farm where they're trying to make that decision, um, often with small-scale equipment. So making that leap can be a little difficult sometimes. If it works there, you know, maybe it'll work on my farm, maybe it won't. And this really gives you the opportunity um, to, on your own farm, collect information that's really specific to your situation. And that, I think, has a lot more value to farmers. Yeah, I definitely agree with what you guys are saying and helping nail down specifics on their farm. I think sometimes it can be a little daunting to look at a research project and think, I'm so rushed during the spring, I don't have time to implement this. But you have to look at it from the overall picture and, you know, what are you going to get out of it? Is it going to be years of improved efficiency or yield or something like that? So the long-term gain, I think, is where a lot of these farmers are focused compared with those who maybe haven't done research yet. Yeah, we hear that a lot that, you know, the time is a concern when we're designing some of these trials. And so we've tried to make the program in a way that it works for a, a large variety of people. So maybe you don't have a specific question in mind. You can flip through the report and most of the trials that you see conducted in there, we have a protocol that is standardized that you can use and conduct it similarly to how someone else is conducting it. Um, but I think one of the neatest parts of the eFields program is if you're flipping through the report and you don't see something that you have as a question on your farm, you know, one of my favorite things to do is to, to have the opportunity to sit down and talk to farmers about what concerns they have, you know, where do they see opportunities for improvement, and then really dig down to that specific question and design a trial that lets them answer that on their farm. Um, I think that's really the most fun thing. And then if it's something that a lot of farmers have that same similar question, then we can turn that into a standardized protocol that folks across the state can benefit from. So let's look into some of these research results a little bit. Um, Elizabeth, you did some work with Smart Firmer using, we have a lot of research on seeding rates, but you took it kind of to the next level of technology with the Smart Firmer. Was this the first year you did that project? This was the first year that we used the Smart Firmer data with a seeding rate trial. So over the past few years, we'd been using it for some nitrogen work thinking that the readings, if you're not familiar, the precision planting smart firmer is an attachment that goes on the row unit of your planter, and it's an optical sensor that estimates different soil characteristics, and organic matter is one of them. And so we had thought that the organic matter estimates would be really helpful for nitrogen, which we've learned a lot from that project. But we started wondering if we could use the same data layer to drive seeding rate prescriptions. Um, we had seen a lot of field-to-field -field variability in what the optimum seeding rate was, 
and we wanted to see if we could just do a better job with variable rate seeding. Um, so in this specific trial, what we did was we picked three different seeding rates that we tested and then compared those three seeding rates to a variable rate prescription that was determined by the smart firmer information. And what it did was it took three different organic matter breakpoints and then changed that seeding rate as the soil organic matter in the field changed. And it turned out quite interesting. We had a dry year um, down in Clinton County where we conducted this trial, and we did see that that variable rate strip outperformed the solid seeded strips at both the high and low end. And so where we were able to save seed cost um, by changing that seeding rate, we had a better return in those strips. So we're really excited to try this project again. Um, we're gonna repeat it at a couple different locations this coming season. And if you're a farmer who has smart firmers on your planter, and this is something you may be interested in, um, get in contact with me because it's really quite easy to execute in the field. It's just a matter of pushing some buttons on the monitor. And then you know we can learn a lot at the end of the season as we dig into that yield data. That's really cool because I've seen some results that you know, variable rate seeding doesn't always show a difference, you know, at the end of the day, but for you to have that result with the smart firmer is pretty exciting. Yeah, that's one thing. Variable rate, you know, finding the right prescription can be so tricky. And so on-farm research provides a great opportunity, you know, maybe in one field, we'll learn that the smart firmer doesn't work that well for generating the prescription, but then we can also turn and start looking to other data layers to see for that specific field what might work. Very cool. So you guys both worked on the soil health sampling project. Yeah, I'll give a brief overview. And Mary was one of the, the folks that participated in this with some of her farmers. Um, we put together a protocol that it was a question that came from some farmers. They're hearing a lot about soil health um, in the popular press and, and just around the news. And they wanted to better understand, you know, what does soil health mean and how can I measure it on my farm? So we sat down a group of educators and some researchers and we talked through what kind of tests are available and decided that we wanted to start pulling some samples from fields across Ohio to see what kind of trends we could identify. So we pulled samples, soil samples from 88 fields in Ohio this past summer. And one of the questions that we wanted to understand was how does the depth that those samples are pulled from affect the soil health measurements that we were looking at? So we pulled samples at three different depths, um, four inches, six inches, and eight inches. And then we tried to select fields that were under different types of management. So we could understand, you know, what kind of time scale we would expect to see soil health changes given different management practices. So we compared fields with conventional tillage to fields that had been no-tilled for a number of years, and then fields that had been cover cropped for a number of years. And it's only one year of data, but we're already seeing some really interesting trends in the metrics that we looked at, which were um, total organic matter, um, active carbon, and aggregate stability of the soil. Um, but this is another project that we're definitely going to continue and expand in 2021. So if you're interested in soil health, this is another one that you should reach out and we'll get you involved. Yeah, I think that um, this is a really exciting study and it's also really, really easy to participate in. So I had one farmer that I was working um, with on this project and basically I just went out there one day and we pulled some soil samples together and um, this year we only sampled from we only pulled samples with at those three different depths um, from one field in his on his farm and we we've both talked about it since then that next year 
what we'd really like to do is take a look at uh, pulling samples from more different fields on his farm that have um, different mixtures of practices that he's trying to um, take a look at and evaluate what's working really well. And also um, trying to pull a sample from a conventional field um, nearby, possibly, because just looking at the one field on his farm, um, it's a little bit hard to tell what the um, benefits are from everything that he's doing. So we, next year, knowing how easy it is to participate, um, we've already talked about trying to put more different fields into, into this study. So the field that we looked at this year, I think, had been cover crop for several years and no-till for some, you know, over 10 years or something like that. So um, he's got fields that are kind of all at various different stages with different management practices that are supposed to help with his soil health. So we want to look more at, at some different fields next year. So you mentioned how he started out with just, you know, sampling one field and wanting to expand. And I think that's what we see with a lot of our cooperators is, you know, start small, just see what it's like, um, but then they see the information and see the usefulness in the information and want to take it a step further. So, you know, you don't have to start big. One of our simplest um, protocols can get you started and see if it's something you like doing. Yeah, definitely. I think that both he and I didn't realize how simple it would be to participate in this study. So we didn't realize you know, how, how easy it would have been to collect samples from a lot more fields if we had planned um, to do that earlier on. So looking at the results, though, we both were like, man, this would be a lot more interesting if we had, for both of us, if we had collected data from more locations. So it's exciting that we both want to work on it again next year and see what, what we can learn. Yeah, that's pretty cool. Um, do you want to talk about your boots on the ground results? Sure. So um, Laura Lindsay is our soybean specialist at Ohio State, and she's um, participating in this uh, study with, I think, seven, there's seven states total that are working on this research to look at um, which practices we can implement to reach our full soybean yield potential on farm. Um, so they're basing their uh, management practices that they're looking at based on a survey they did before this, um, where they surveyed thousands of farmers in the area to see what practices were most effective at improving yield. And so the three practices they're looking at, they're comparing this improved system to uh, what they're calling a standard system. So the improved system, which is meant to help you reach your full soybean yield potential um, is a system that's got an earlier planting date, a lower seeding rate, and a foliar fungicide and insecticide application at the R3 stage for soybeans. So right now we're um, looking at, there's I think nine trials in the state this past year um, where we're looking at if the improved system uh, yields better than the standard system and how much does it yield better. Um, so this is the second year of a three-year study. And um, at the trials that we were looking at in central Ohio, 
uh, the two that I was involved in, we haven't seen a significant difference in yield between the standard and improved system. But um, looking at the national results for all 53 trials that are participating over the um, seven-state area, they are seeing a significant um, yield improvement and profit advantage to the improved system. So it's really depending a lot on um, the weather more than anything, whether or not these practices can help improve yield or not. So it's something that um, the more trials we have, the better conclusions we can draw about which practices can really help. So I think in 2019, um, there were seven trials in the, in the state and this this past year there were nine. So a lot of it too depends on the weather if you can um, participate in a planting date study or not, because if you don't have the weather for an early planting date, then you really just can't participate in the study for the rest of the season. So we had several people interested in participating um, the past two years that just couldn't because they were not able to get in early enough for that early planting date part of the study. Now, Amanda, you've also been conducting some pretty interesting trials in Champaign County looking at irrigation, which is kind of unusual for Ohio, but I think the results are really interesting. So you want to share a little bit about the, that project? Yeah, um, we're a little bit unique down in the um, valley there in Champaign County where we've got some really short topsoils and sometimes not even three feet, and then it's all gravel. So you get um, dry out really quickly. So we've seen some irrigations go in there, irrigation systems. And I've been doing this work for a couple years now. The first year just had the um, soil moisture sensors in there and feeds back to an online application farmers can look at to get those soil moisture readings and make decisions on when to run their center pivots rather than just um, trying to use it based off of maybe what the soil looks like or weather forecasts. The challenge with this is that those sensors are pretty expensive, so it's difficult to get more than one in a field. Um, but I was really interested to see how, you know, what is the value of it um, and how it might affect producer decision-making. So this year, I put or five sensors in five different fields. The guys I worked with last year, they had access to all the data as usual, but two other farmers I was working with in three different fields, they did not have access to that real-time data until the end of the season. So they were making decisions as they normally had in the past, and then the other two were using the online application to make decisions with that real-time data. And it was interesting to see the results. Again, not a perfect study because we're not able to do those side-by-side -side or in-field comparisons, and it's different farmers with different decision-making. But you can see the year-end graphs, the farmers that were using the tool, the sensors, stayed in that green area, you know, they weren't too low or too high. They were right where we want to be with keeping um, soil moisture at the ideal level for corn. And then 
Um, those who weren't were either, you know, one was actually on the high range where they kept it pretty wet and the other two were in the red area a lot often. So, so dipping below and potentially losing yield. So I think it confirmed that it does help with decision making and efficiency in the use of irrigation systems. You know, they use these more out west where there's a lot more irrigation, but this is something we haven't really gotten into a whole lot in Ohio. Looking forward to maybe trying to do a paired field study or something in the future. Um, but those who've used the data do seem to find value in it and appreciate being able to use that information. Yeah, I think that's a nice example of how, you know, we can take a very specific need of farmers and come up with ways to help them even though most farmers in Ohio aren't irrigating, you know, understanding how to better manage water is important to the growers that do have access to that. And then you've also got another project coming up that we're starting this year with cover crops. You want to talk a little bit about that project? (laughs) I'm excited about it personally. Yeah, I know. I think it'll be really cool. And we just found out we got funding from the SARI partnership grant. So We want to look, Elizabeth and I are working on this together. We want to look at soil moisture and how it behaves with different management practices, such as cover crops, no-till, tillage. Um, So we're going to be installing these soil moisture sensors this fall and monitoring that through planting. Working with some of these cover crop producers, we've heard them say it helps draw soil moisture out if you leave it and plant green. Um, while other farmers, that's one reason they haven't adopted because they're concerned about getting into the field on time. So I think we're both hoping we can find some information from this study to put that myth um, into fact, I guess, whatever that result might be. Yeah, I'm really looking forward to that. So maybe one of our listeners is interested in in participating in that. We'll see. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. As always... Um, Elizabeth, we appreciate your leadership on this project. I think it's something that's just going to continue to grow. And to all our farmers out there listening, if this is something you're interested, please reach out to either Elizabeth or your local extension educator and talk to us about what you might like to see. Mary, thanks for your time. Yeah, thanks, Amanda, for, for letting us highlight the program again today. Um, you know, we're, we're always looking for, for new folks who want to get involved. So like Amanda said, don't hesitate to reach out um, any, any question you've got. I love a challenge. So come to me with your toughest questions and we'll design a research project together. Hey, podcast listeners, just a reminder to give us a like or subscribe so you know when we release new episodes. If you're enjoying the podcast, be sure to leave us a review also. We appreciate the comments. Thanks for listening to the Agronomy and Farm Management Podcast. Join us again in two weeks for our next episode.